All right, welcome back to Lindroth Hockey Podcast. We are in partnership with the Black and Gold Hockey Productions, LLC. You're here with co-host, father and son duo, Andrew and Jim Lindroth. Dad, how are you doing today? Great. Love our next guest. It's going to be a long intro. Go, Andrew. Please welcome our next guest, say Tim Cranston. So Tim played in the MVJHL and the QMJHL from 77 until 1982, and also during that time stayed at Bishops and Ottawa University. He later played for a year in the NFSHL from 83 to 84, and then after that, traveled overseas to play pro hockey all over the world, playing for various leagues and teams from 1984 until 1999. Just to list a few of Tim's notable accomplishments throughout his career, he was a three-time BHL champion, 1997 BISL champ. He also won the gold medal at the IIHF Great Britain team uh, in 1993. He was also inducted into the British Ice Hockey Hall of Fame in 2010 received his law degree while playing pro hockey overseas, also worked as an NHL PA agent over for a number of years. And obviously there's so many more that we'll get to later in this interview. I don't want to make it too windy. And I'm sure our <laughs> listeners prefer Tim to speak than me. So without further ado, please welcome our guest today, Tim Cranston. Tim, how are you doing today? Awesome, guys. Great, great, great. Thanks for having me. Well, man, what a resume. Yeah, seriously. So let's go back to your uh, junior day. So you started, you even served as a captain for the whole Olympics during, I believe it was your last year in the QMJHL. So what were some good junior hockey stories from those days? Oh God. I think it starts, you gotta like, I'd pull it back really to playing what we call junior A uh, here, the Metro Valley Hockey League. So I, I was 14 years old coming right out of what's called Bantam. Um, hockey so which was really not the norm so I was put right into a 20 year 20 year old league at 14 so that that was for two years 77 78 and then and then got drafted again was rare really for any maritimer um to go to the queue like it wasn't like tons of players be not not like today where there's teams like the Halifax Mooseheads or these teams are right in the towns now there was not the case in that era which is 79 so so right out of the gate it was all unique and you know we're talking like I look back I mean I'm I'm 16 years old uh jumping in a car with my skates and stereo and driving 1200 kilometers by myself without a map uh, to uh, camp for Sherbrooke Beavers. Um, and yeah, it, it, it was exactly like it sounds. My, my, my dad who uh, just said, you know what, get yourself to Moncton uh, from Halifax. He said, you know how to get to Truro. He said, then just get, get to Moncton. And he said, keep going, drive up the top of New Brunswick. <laughs> And, and he was right though, right? It was exactly <laughs> the case, right? Get to the top. He said, hang a left. And, and, and keep going. And that's exactly what I did. And, you know, so, so, you, you know, you think nowadays as 16 year old um, uh, getting in the car and I, I, I listened to a, a, a Nova Scotia band called Matt Minglewood band, like for 12 hours by myself <laughs> driving. Right. Uh, and uh, yeah, you know, so that it started right. You know, luckily I was prepared for the kind of, you know, that queue is still is still a wild, wild and fancy free, uh, you know, like there was a lot of it was quite violent. You know, we're talking 79. Right. So there was still, you know, there was still the roaring 80s that come through there. And uh, so I, I'm grateful I was prepared playing in that junior league here in Nova Scotia, you know, certainly had me, you know, as a 14 year old, 14, 15, 15, 16, get there at 16 in the in the queue and and you know it was it was an eye opener i mean not not so much the the rigors of the camp but you know i mean we had a really heavy duty team Sherbrooke that year um and so i made it as a 16 year old uh turning 17 um and you know the three centermen ahead of me were were all signed drafted signed NHL players uh Alan Hayworth who had a big career in Washington Serge Boivere you know did, did some stuff with Toronto Norm Obey um had 93 goals that year in the queue like these are these are they were the centermen ahead of me so so as 19 year olds right so so it was uh I you know man I, it was really really cool uh, to be there I mean 
a great era, hockey. Uh, Denny Savard was still in the league. Um, Mario was, well, in the next year, Mario came into the league. But yet Guy Carboneau, um, you know, uh, Ray Bork was just exiting. You know, it was a, you know, it was quite quite the uh, the era. Um, yeah, so so really enjoyed it, and it was some really good hockey, obviously, right? Like, you know, old school. Yeah, cute, yeah. Can, yeah, Quebec League stuff. Yeah. Can you remember a moment? that uh you know you said oh boy like you say you're playing against 19 year olds uh i gotta step up my game this is uh, a whole different league uh do you remember any eye-opening moments or was it just like i fit in pretty well yeah I, yeah no i i have to say i i i mean i i I had 14 goals, like, you know, in, again, with those type of centermen ahead of me. And, and I went from 14 to 46 the next year. So, I mean, I did like, you know, I was, I was good. I mean, I had two solid years junior, this, this league, you know, this league is, shouldn't be underestimated the maritime um, junior a league. And uh, you know, to have those two years under my belt uh, helped me a, a great, great deal so so you know there was lots of eye openers i mean uh, on other levels if you follow me like sherbrooke was a team uh you know one of the folklore teams in the queue and and but what was really unique was that the team itself uh all lived together in this little uh in this little uh, dormitory if you want to call it that had a family come in and they, they, the family, like we had a kitchen downstairs and Trey was called the hut de castor, the beaver hut. Right. Oh. So it was, it was like across from the rink, uh, uh, on the grounds, the school grounds of a, of, of a girl's Catholic school, if you can put that one together. Right. <laughs> and, and then this family, this family, the Cotes, I can always remember the awesome family. Like she would, she was, the lady was uh, in charge of, you know, housekeeping and whatever you want to call it. And then, and then the father ran this kitchen downstairs and just tremendous. Right. Um, but they would leave. They were gone at five. So you got this house, this yeah. dorm, uh, major junior players from 16 to 21 yeah. on their own. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's crazy. You're on your it, own. It, it was on crazy, man. Girl Catholic school. It sounds like yeah. a, a great sitcom show. <laughs> oh, it was like I remember one thing. We would do gigs like, geez, there were phones in the in the place, and the, you know the veterans would all get upstairs and make a call down to a rookie. Like, no, no, everybody was so green, right? The rookies, and you'd get them on the phone, and it'd be all like these veterans upstairs on the phone, like. At, and it was like a scout, you know, asking them, like, you know, hey, you know, I, 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 I seen you play. You, you're very, you know, and get and the rookies. And one time, listen to this deal. We we sent a couple of rookies. One time, I I happen to be on the veteran side of this one, and uh, we said we we sent them out to a high school to give out an award. <laughs> The right series called the cab for him and everything came up. They thought they were going out. They thought, and it was a snowstorm. They get out there. The, 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 the taxi lets them off in a, in a like a desolate snowstorm. No, there's no award you're giving out that night. But anyways, these are the kinds of shenanigans, like, right. And, and these guys would go hunt. Uh, there were guys who come back with, animal parts and they would be because you were bunked up like you were like it was two to a room all right i was in a room with richard bork my first year that's ray bork's brother and uh yeah man i mean it, it was crazy stereos blasting and i remember trick-or-treaters would kind of like come up to the door innocently <laughs> thinking it was a house right <laughs> guys would be like coming out with i don't know fruit loops or you know, pouring them into so pretty crazy, but but you know, it really built the you know the camaraderie you know with that yeah. team. That team was close knit, and uh, the rink was just across the street, La Palais de Sport. So you know, it was great. You know, I, I, and it was real uh, nail like really close, like uh, 
had really competitive teams for Brook. Like the two years I was there, we lost to uh, uh, Dale Howarchuk in the Cornwall Royals. That's where uh, Darren Colburn, by the way, connects because of the, well, also I played in Cornerbrook. But um, uh, yeah, they, they beat us in the few finals two years and went on to actually win the Memorial Cup. We lost in seven to them, one series in six. And, and they, they went on to win the Memorial Cup. So we were right there for that level. You know, that's in we all know the Memorial Cup is the Canadian um, major junior championship. So so that's how that's how close it was all was. And um, yeah, I got to play with a lot of good players. That's all I, you know, I definitely and ran across them all over the world, like lots of cute graduates. Yeah. So you had studied at a university during, you know, this time, especially, I think, during the QMJHL specifically as a young man. How did you manage that? I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. First of all. Well, it was. Well, it started with the high school part. So in my first year playing for Sherbrooke, you know, uh, I just had in my mindset, I was like, because there were so many horror stories of guys from here leaving and going to the queue and, and not doing the school and, you know, coming out of the whole experience without a high school. And, and I, I like school and I, you know, to me mentally, I was, I was going to get my high school out of the, you know, so, so what it took though was coming in from road trips, you know, three, four in the morning, you know, if you were playing, uh, up in uh me or whatever but what it just took a lot of discipline i mean it took getting up in the morning and i'd have to get up in la hood there get breakfast and then basically jog to the middle of the town to catch a bus that then went out to uh um, the campus where bishops was where like i went to university the next year but long story is i was successful i did five credits came home and was the first first um uh uh player to ever come home and actually walk on stage and graduate uh, they let me come on stage and graduate with my high school class which was kind of really you know was pretty cool and and uh, and i you know i'm 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 proud of that i mean i i think it was you know one of the you know early players that ever did it and, and certainly it, it allowed maritimers and as we know the the next line and the next kids that came up through were now thinking, yeah, you know what? I, I, yeah, it's not like, uh, you know, ruin my life kind of experience. It's you can get this done and do, you know, and still hit the hockey. Right. So, yeah. so yeah, that happened. And, and so bishops came the next year because I was still at Sherbrooke. And then when I went to Hull in my third year, right. So 81, um, uh, Ottawa, U was there and I took courses there too. So, so, which is, you know, across the river and stuff like that from Gatineau. Um, but yeah, you know, I, at that point I was just locked into going along, which is kind of normal nowadays. Like the kids are all kind of plugging themselves in one way or the other or online. But back in those days, that, that was definitely not the norm. Yeah, yeah. no, absolutely. Bring yeah. us through your, your first pro contract signing. Uh, when did it come about? Uh, how did, how did you feel about it? Do you remember it? Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. Cause you know, like I consider, I consider when, you know, I did uh, my, like the year in Newfoundland senior league in 83, actually pro, right. Cause that's what I was there to do. But I wasn't there working at the, the tavern or anything like that. Right. Like I, like yeah. I was playing hockey. And um, so that kind of, and, you know, as a result, you know, Newfoundland was a great, a great uh, starting point for things because as a pro, as somebody that's gets, gets paid, you know, um, you know, people paying tickets and coming to see, you know, I, 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 I mean, I always considered myself a, an entertainer with the game as top of an athlete. Um, but I think, Newfoundland like basically is the hottest ticket in town is what I'm trying to say it's lineups it's it's big time you know and Newfoundland has a steeped incredible steeped history of hockey 
you know, and, and proud. They're proud. I mean, they didn't come into Canada in 49. So they like we were called Newfoundland Hockey League. Right. So they 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 have the NHL. Right. They, that's how they call it. And they really they supported their their senior teams on that basis. So that gave, gave me a good grounding. I met some people. I, I just knew I wanted to do things further. I, I had these offers um, American league stuff. I, I, I mean, very quickly, I mean, I just was in my mind was wanting to go to Europe. I was just a route I had in my mind. There was an agent, ton of agents. I, you know, there was rumor and word that like the agents that did come to our door, I was supposed to go out in the second round, you know, from my Q days having capped and all-star game ninth in the league score. And, um, but it, it just didn't happen. Claude Ruel, famous uh, GM of the Canadians, had called me and sort of made a pitch to play in the minors, like which was the Nova Scotia Voyageurs here at the time. And they had a legendary guy, John Brophy, that was a coach, a slap shot kind of uh, character, right? He's, uh, you look him up. He's the, he is, I think they wrote the movie on him, to tell you the truth, right? Uh, John Brophy. No, true, true. Uh, uh, you know, and uh, I just, you know, but there was only, they were only offering like 50 game things. And I just thought, I, you know, I did Newfoundland because because there were people that I, I met people. I had a path. Newfoundland was part of it. And so my first European contract through connections and people that I had met. Um, and, and one of them was in Newfoundland, um, Tony Kumo, his brother, Danny played in Holland. And, and so I connected there. So Holland in 84 was my first start um, into, you know, basically went on the career to 98. Um, so yeah, I, uh, that was big stuff. Holland again, you know, I, I, it may not have been the level of other top leagues that I played in later, if you like, um, but it didn't matter. Like as an import, um, it doesn't mean your, you know, games are going to be any less. Like if anything, the, the pressure's more of the, like, so they're like, yeah, right on. We're a tier two team. We're a tier two league. So, um, you know, you should be able to score three a game. <laughs> which I luckily did, by the way, but, but they, but that's the pressure. They're like, yeah, right on. So yeah, we're tier two. So that means you'd be able to score. Yeah, do three. double. Yeah. Yeah. Do double. Right. And as you know, you know, a goal Stay twice you know, as fast. <laughs> right. And, and at the end of the day, you know, you, you know, scoring goal, like, you know, it's still like, it's tough at any level. Like, oh yeah, I'm just going to score a bunch of, you know, 90 goals, hundred goals. So yeah, that, that was the start. And, and then I just built on top of that. I leveraged on top of that, everything, everybody I could meet, talk to. And, um, you know, again, not working with a lot of agents at that point, I was just doing my own thing. Yeah. So you, you do end up for the bulk of your career in the UK and while you first, I think it was, uh, I shouldn't do this off the top of my head, but your first two teams while you're playing in, in Great Britain, uh, you go back to school, you start to work on uh, towards your law degree. Um, yeah. And you end up, um, well, first of all, I, sh I should ask that. Well, let me just go. And then you end up in Sheffield, which I want to focus yeah. on. But during, yeah. all that, during all that time, you're playing pro hockey in uh, UK's elite league and going to school. How do you do that? And we'll get well, to the stats in a minute, but I mean, he's putting the puck in the net every game. Yeah. yeah. Well, the connector piece on that is by the time, you know, I had done three years in Switzerland and two in Germany and Austria and Holland at the first and, and all points in between, you know, I started referring to these things as gigs. Honestly, I, I it was like another gig. Right. And it, it, you know, I, uh, so one of those gigs after finishing in Germany was I was had in my mind law school and I had already wrote the entrance exams to come back here to, to go Nova Scotia. Um, and then it was just kind of one of these uh, out of the blue things that 
you know, hey, on the way home, like I, I had, there was an opening, there was an in, injured Czech player, Yerjit Kokerman. Anyways, he was a Slovak, actually. There were three Slovaks that was playing in Kirkati and Fife. This is 88. And uh, I, um, somebody said, yeah, he broke his ankle. Would you like to fill in? You, you play your other imports are uh, uh, Vincent Lukac, who's famous and fastest player I've ever seen in my life from zero to 60. Uh, you know, again, played in the old famous Czech, Czech, uh, Czechoslovakia teams that beat you'll go back in history and you'll see like the red army, red army, win and win and boom, 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 all through the, say the, you know, the eight, 70, eighties. And then you'll see these little blips where the Czech Czechoslovakia when it was joined with Slovakia and like where they won, you know, anyways, he's kind of part of the reasons, right. This, this Vincent Lukács, but they had another guy in Milan Figala and I just, I had cousins, so my grandfather, and this puts the whole British connection, is from Glasgow, and I have a bunch of cousins that I never ever met that lived up there, and and uh, I was like, yeah, man, wouldn't this be cool? Pop in in Kirkcaldy in Scotland, and you know, and, and honestly, when I got there, it was just a real. It was fantastic from day one, right? They, they just just the whole vibe. The guys were super, right? You know, really good. You know, I had an instant connection, I guess, not only just the English language, but, you know, like Nova Scotia is kind of founded on, you know, Scottish heritage and all that yeah. good stuff, right? So it was an easy kind of woof, 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 right? You were layered right in with people. And, uh, and, and, and so it was there that I was like, was kind of, and I had success, had, you know, I forget what I had in seven or eight games, bunch of points, right? And I was like, geez, you know, this is maybe, maybe I try to swing it where I do it over here, study. And, and this before I, I didn't know anything about that, yeah. right? So then I started studying what's going on with this scholastic part. And, and I started uh, identifying, you know, law schools around. And, and one of them happened, one area uh, was Durham, which happened to be, you know, um, and probably still is one considered in the top three law schools in the UK. And, um, and uh, I just thought, and then they had a team there, the Durham Wasps, and there was another team close by called Billing and Bombers. That's where you'll see those 90 goals there. So they were a level down. But I was like just trying to get in and around that area, and <laughs> and and uh, and the other imports at Billingham at the time, Kevin Conway, fantastic player, Andre Malo. So we went in and yeah, we we shot the lights out that year, got the team promoted up to the to the top league, right? So I was in floating in and around there because I had been accepted to Durham University of Durham Law School, right? So yeah. I was then taking courses like enroll full time which I went on and then an opening came on the wasp who were they're like the precursor to Sheffield Steelers so they're the they're like the uh you know can only be said they, they're the legendary team of you know in my you know like a lot of good teams Fife was one of them but but Durham wasps are I mean, they, they had as good a development in their whole grassroots there. They were like a Canadian, that was like a Canadian town somehow really? in the UK, in, in England, like there to this day, there's players that have come out of that place. Uh, Mike O'Connor's son, Ben was just a baby when we were around there, right? He went on, Ben still at it, you know, um, lots and lots of well they had a rink right they had ice rink that went back centuries it was an ice house in the war and all this kind of stuff and but this this one town just outside all the sports it could do and it did do cricket you know all classic english but but hockey like it, it, these guys were hockey players like the, the, the local guys I, I i was just in awe but so 
playing on that team was really great. It was my third year law school as well. So, you know, I got to uh, second and third year, sorry. So, you know, it went really, really well. Like, you know, it was great. We won the British championship and, uh, and uh, you know, those fans were, you know, um, but they, they're like, and then the transition that happened was I then got picked up by this time. We're now at 93, by the way, guys, 1993. And at this time, because of all the years I and time I put in and because I always had my immigrant status because of my grandfather, yeah. they just allowed that. I had enough time clocked in to then apply for my passport, which I did and got in 93, which allowed me to be picked up by the national team as a, as a local, as a Brit. Um, and the, the guy who picked me up was Alex Dampier who was now coaching Sheffield. Yeah. So I went on into that world championship in 93 in Holland. And, uh, you know, it was great. You know, we won it and, uh, you know, um, fabulous. I, I scored the game winner. I remember and uh, that, that was fun. And uh, be Poland, Denmark and Holland were the favorites actually at B at that time. So no pushover, especially Denmark is up in a, Poland or, you know, there are thereabouts always, right? Eastern Bloc, uh, you know, like, uh, anyways. Um, so, yeah, we won it in, in the relationship I built with Alex Dampier. And by the way, that's where I first wore number four in my life was playing for the national team. So then when Alex, you know, it, we broke a lot of bread together and, you know, because Alex was always a coach against me. He coached Nottingham lot you know when I played in Durham or so all of a sudden he's in Sheffield and they're like just coming on stream uh you know building they they the, the rink started and I uh, forget it was the student games 92 they built this beautiful big complex you know unheard of compared to like like say a Durham you know was just old you know, I think the co- I think the seats were made out of coffins or something. They told me, right? But uh, but all of a sudden, uh, in no hot water and all kinds of that stuff, right? But but all of a sudden, you you know, here's the Sheffield, like new kid on the block, um, uh, and and the people were uh, they weren't like they are now. I mean, we're twenty years, you know what I mean, twenty something years in, right? Of like serious to me, knowledgeable. At that time, it it was just a fun, and I just absolutely loved. So they brought me in as kind of in that early wave, not the first wave, because there was there were a couple, you know, definitely forefathers, like guys who had start started this up. But it it was done on a very grassroots, literally going around to the schools, hustling, giving out tickets, doing meetings, and but but. they, uh, you know, they had an absolute master entertainer, Dave Sims. I don't know if you know Simsy, because he's oh. their, oh, well, you should, because he could be, uh, he could be in Las Vegas, guys. Uh, he is, you know, top of the level, um, inter- like inter- entertainer, like entertain, like producer. Okay. Right? He's more than that now. He, you know, he's fundraising. He does, but, but the, he he ran this. So you know, we had nicknames and music and like it was just a real show. It was like a Vegas, <laughs> Vegas level act, right? And it, and it had some really good players, right? And and uh, Ron Shudra is one that comes to mind. You know, first round Edmonton. Um, call him Rocket Ron, right? And uh, people just loved, loved the personalities. And, and of course, for me, you know, it was just great to another, it was like a, you know, for somebody that thought I was leaving, if you follow me in 88 on my way home, I'm now, you know, 93, four yeah. on my way to 98. Like, so just tacking on another 10 years of a career. Right. Yeah. And it, what it allowed me is because Sheffield, when I graduated law school, three year in Durham, the final piece in your in England is you have to also go to postgraduate law school, which was in York, 
which wasn't far from Sheffield. So it allowed me to go from drive from Sheffield up to York to, to, to actually do this. So it was all part of a, you know, really it was all part of a seven year process of playing pro and going to law school. So were the boys on the team uh, being like, uh, hey, uh, can I put you on retainer here when you graduate? Don't, yeah, yeah, don't yeah. Well, 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 you're a big lawyer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like stuff like that. I had to take a lot of, you know, a lot of boys still playing cards at the back in that era, right? <laughs> yeah. So so I had to, you know, I had to sit up front and, you know, I, I, I got her done, right? That's all. Yeah. I mean, yeah, lots of lots of ribbon and uh from them, as they say, digging, digging in on you. But, you know, at the end, though, I, I definitely caught a few of their, their attention, like, geez, maybe I should be doing something like this. And that yeah. actually opened up the door that that is now standard. Like, I wouldn't say standard, but there's a ton of kid, uh, players these days are going to do their math, like masters at when if it's in Wales or like, oh, yeah. that's now kind of part of the package. That was unheard of. So I opened up that door, I believe. Yeah. Nobody did that. Or nobody was doing that, right? So, so you know, I was kind of, I'm happy in that way. It was a heavy price. It was hard, hard going. Sure. I mean, and it wasn't just in that period. It wasn't just playing the, the pro late, pro years too. It was, I, I played in four world championships for Britain in that same period. So, you know, got her done, right? Yeah, no, yeah. Were, how are the fans and, in Sheffield? Yeah, so crazy. So new building, ten thousand every night, right? Yeah. yeah, Turbo Tim, the wild thing, right? Comes on. Yeah, this just goes full into character, and uh, no, I had I, I, the honesty is I had an absolute instant, uh, you know, um, uh, like the fans and I just uh, bonded very quickly. Right. I, I, I came to appreciate them for not only just, just fantastic people, but, but I kind of was felt, you know, we all, they, they were showing us love and, and not, as far as I'm concerned, you know, they deserved respect. I mean, they, a lot of people make fun and say, Hey, they don't even know what they're cheering for there. And, and you know, that this was in the early days, right. Yeah. Like people laying a claim to knowing about hockey. Right. Right. And I, you know, I kind of took it like, well, you know, who, who are you, you know, who do you think you are? Like, who, who's to say that people can't have fun then? And, and like, who's, who, who, you know, so they kind of, that's how we played was kind of, we felt we owed it to the people. And, and that's kind of how we developed that fan base because we were really, it, we were all together on it. And, and I think it was a really rip roaring time together. You know, so. so for the listeners, the stats and, and Tim, correct me if I'm wrong, or uh, these stats are so good. Don't correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> let, let it let it fly. So regular season games, Andrew, this is just Sheffield, yeah. you know, almost 300 games, 208 goals, 205 assists, um, a bunch of penalty minutes. It wasn't like he was a, a stranger to the penalty box either. Yeah. Couple hundred yeah. penalty minute seasons. I too. mean, uh, <laughs> you know, your law degree. I mean, wow. Well, I mean, I, that's I, like a goal and a half a game. <laughs> yeah. Well, the the penalty minutes. I I this is probably known as I um, I just foolishly made a pact with the devil one time that I would never turtle. That you'd never turtle. Smart. Yeah. Right? I don't know why. I don't even know why I made that pact. I, I think I wish I would turtle sometimes, but so be, as a result of never, ever going to turtle, I had no choice but to bite, yeah. you know, right? Because, and it didn't matter who, because, because if the guy, like I was not going to turtle. So as a result, I, you, you see fight tapes where, what is he doing fighting that guy for? Or what, <laughs> like, and, and, and I'm like, you know, to my, well, I was feisty and yeah, I had a, you know, probably had a temper and, and, you know, like the wild thing, right. You, get, you right. gotta be wild. Right. Yeah. But I was more like, I just, people probably didn't know that there was no way I was not, I'm not, you know, like, you know, which 
made it hard when you're just trying to put points on the board. Like, oh, now I got to scrap again. And back in the early days, it was three fights per game before you're kicked out, right? So, so all the, let's say the, the guys that were targeting you, they had a lot of cracks to get you. Yeah. Unlike today, right? Yeah. 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 So, so, you know, yeah, the points were there and, you know, they were in good, you know, like always had good guys with me though. I might say, I know that's cliche, but you know, we had always good group, lots of good players. You'll see the Sheffield years, the Ken Priestley's, these are, you know, double Stanley cup guys, you know, we had Tony in there, you know, um, but also, you know, I, I happen to have a, you know, just a, I, we had a line chemistry line with um, Tommy. His name was Tommy the Duke Plumber, and he was called the Duke because he's he was like really laid back, you know, until oh, okay. he hit the ice. And this, right. this inner gremlin devil, wow, the very very sincere devil, uh, would come out of him. And then we had uh, his name was he's a Scottish guy, Laser Les Millie. And uh, really great, yeah, laser. I and love he, the nicknames. Yeah, the nicknames. Yeah, yeah, all sins of work, right? He, he says, I, I name myself, but I'm like, come on, Sims. But I, I mean, I might give him that, some one part of it anyways. Yeah. But no, no, but it, we had, I had good guys, good chemistry, and um, yeah, put up some numbers. And, you know, and, and I think just at the end, like it was just, we're, we're talking, I think, 38 years old right at that point you're just you're uh you can't do it anymore right yeah, <laughs> yeah. i don't even know how you did it so I, I i heard a story correct me if if, if the story's uh wrong but uh during uh one playoff series you actually uh did some motivation to write in a personal message each player is that uh yeah 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 story? yeah that that was a that's true that's a true story yeah yeah I, I, stall and uh... yeah yeah just i kind of i had that side of me you know for sure right it was just you know um that was a a really big game and um yeah you know i i, I just was giving guys little memos and like as if you had to give some stanley cup guys some memos right but whatever right Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, it worked. It worked. Exactly. Right. I mean, you go on. I mean, I mean, uh, you end up in the Wembley uh, what, four times and won three. Yeah, I'm not. I I can't. I actually don't have total. Like, I'm not sure it was four Wembleys or was it three Wembleys and won two. I I don't don't know. But you know, again, that was um, you know, you be hard to ever. You guys. Uh, you, I don't even think I can describe to you Brit- yeah. British fans, the best sport fans in the world. Yeah. Uh, converging on the Mecca of sport uh, uh, stadiums, Wembley. Right. Yeah. You know, like in the, the rink, I'm talking, well, it's the soccer football ground that we know of Wembley, right. Stadium, but the arena is right on the same grounds. And boy, it was just all of these hockey fans, fans from every team so they would buy here's how it works is they buy like uh they'd have to way before they even knew who were in the final four all of these teams would have to buy their blocks their fans pre-bought so long story is they they were all filled with fans from all over the uk wow and and uh you know if your team was there that meant a lot of drink and they weren't there (laughs) It meant a lot of drink and, yeah. and a lot of song. And uh, yeah, it was, it was uh, pretty heavy duty, man. It was, awesome. it was full deal. You know, I think we're starting to see, as I was watching the uh, playoffs in the NHL this past season, it seems like uh, the Islanders are starting to get a little bit rowdy, almost like that soccer rowdy fan mentality at the old Colise- uh, NASA Coliseum, which is yeah. now gone, I guess. But uh, yeah, we don't really have that in the uh, at least in, in American arenas that uh, soccer crazy mentality. But maybe the Islanders are the closest to that. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, you probably I don't know some of your outback towns down around there probably got in some yeah. of those East Coast old East Coast league. Uh, 
international hockey league days, right? Or the, you know, they probably had a little bit of that rowdiness, but, but I, you'd never match the Brits. Nobody. The only ones I ever seen, the only ones that I think as a nationality uh, would be Latvians. Okay. Okay. Latvians. If you're ever in a tournament and there's Latvian there, like you're going to, you're going to know. They're just, uh, you will hear drunken screams and yells all night and, and drums. They, they can create drums and beat on things forever. Yeah. Latvians are, but Brits boy, they're right there. They, they love it and they're real top supporters. So, so you put them all under one roof. So out of all the championships that you had overseas, then which one was your favorite to be a part of? God, I have to say, you know, that, you know, that's impossible to like, cause Durham was my first and, and that was just, I, I wanted that one under my belt. Like, right. That really, you know, got the Wembley watch and the Heineken watch. Cause I was, you know, but the, but the Sheffield one was sweet, sweet revenge. Cause we had got our butts kicked the year before in the final by Cardiff and um, you know uh, you know, Cardiff played awesome. And, and we, we just, you know, it was just one of those things. I mean, we got beat, man, we got beat. Uh, and, uh, and, and so there was that, that's, I think was when Sheffield came of age was after that loss and that disappointment for the people that I think we, the, the group that remained were like, that's not going to happen again. Right. That's not, I, I believe that was the, so the next year, you know, we were we were geared up and 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 uh, so that win, you know, was was and just was you, big time. Like I mean, we're talking, you know, thousands and thousands of people waiting for us when we got back. Um, cool. You know, like Sheffield crowd, like so that, you know, so in in in, in Sheffield, as you probably gathered, uh, you know, were handed or took the torch from Durham. That's what happened, Durham. You know, which is unfortunate just for, I'm sure people tell you a million, like somehow didn't make the transition into the new arenas and the new things. They definitely deserved it. Like, like it's, it's one of the, uh, I'm not saying shame, but disappointments, right? But Sheffield took it, took the torch and, and man, that's why they're the club they are. They're like one of the, you know, the biggest supported clubs in Europe, right? During your tenure there in Sheffield, it seems uh, trying to look up some of the old uh, games and the stats, you kind of took it to Nottingham a few times. Is, was yeah, there, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was there a just, rivalry between the two yeah, teams? Yeah, yeah, you know, they're just, you know, they, it, it, they're just down the road and uh, it just evolved. The, the people, you know, the fans, like there's just this, you know, and that spilled into the games and, and uh, yeah, I mean, those games were, we, I, I think there was a lot of games too. We had that bot. We always had the boxing day classics against them too. Right. So everybody a little bit cranky coming off a little Christmas <laughs> chair and it just was enough spice in the water and, yeah. and, and everybody wanted to get out of the house that, you know, it was just enough gasoline in there <laughs> that, uh, that would lead to uh, some fireworks. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. You, you, go, you go into practice law and then you become an NHLPA agent. So what was one of the most surprising things you learned as an agent dealing with the business of hockey? Well, that uh, just just such a you know like the I I'm not sure if I want to say rat race, but just the 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 workings behind the scenes are incredible, and and just how how you know as much as the agents get a bad name for sort of you know like unfair play or whatever it's called, like I mean 
the people, you know, people are playing you off too. So you're getting, you know, it's tough as an agent. You're, you've got pressure from other agents. You've got the people that are always looking for, you know, better deals with other agents. And, um, mm -hmm. and then, and then at the end of the day, you got the teams that got their own agendas and how they're building their, their rosters. And so you're, and you always, you've got money put out front. I mean, there's times when you've got, you know, upwards of, you can have tens of thousands, you can have $25,000 invested in a player before he even signs a pro deal. Right. And you're, so you're, you almost find yourself, it's like you're, you're willing them over the line, right? Like, uh, um, uh, I, uh, well, and I'll tell you a story about the agency, too. like, like horse racing is what I'm saying. You're like, you're okay. like, got all of this sin sports syndication stuff. You're, you know, it's, it's a lot of pressure, but I'll show you, I'll tell you how bad it can be though, as I, I won't use the names of this. So like, I'll just say the story and take it. I, I had a, a player, I forget which draft it was, was actually attended the draft. I flew them over for, it was a European player. I'm not sure if it was, uh, the draft was in Nashville. It's a bunch of drafts I went to, but anyways, or it could have been the Toronto one too, but um, this player was with me. You know, we, I had a big house rented out all the players that I had brought in from Europe. We were all in this for the draft. And this player was with me, sitting with me, gets drafted. Right. And by the time, so when you get drafted, you go down on the floor, uh, whether you go on stage or you just go by the table, depends on which round. Right. And then, and then that player gets invited up to the suite or it's, there's a whole process. You, you like, don't see the player again for a while, okay. you know, as an agent, because you're now sitting with people, kids and, you know, but anyways, by the time that player got drafted, it went down to the floor and up to the team suite. I lost him as a client. And he still came back, still came back <laughs> to the host. So by the way, I, I found somebody else to represent yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. You probably had all your finger food too you provided at the house. Yeah, you're right. No kidding. Well, yeah. oh, geez. You know, I so mean, I won't, I, it's not difficult. I won't, I, won't, yeah. uh, I won't try to throw anybody under the bus and say like, who's the worst, you know, guy that, you know, might be an a-hole that you had to deal with as far as a GM. <laughs> I'll say this though. Who is one of the best GMs that you've had? Uh, the, the best guys, the best. There's not even any close is uh, Lou, Uncle Lou Lamarillo. So you know, what, I, is, I, what is it? What is it about him? Because every player that um, has been drafted by New Jersey, uh, and it doesn't matter if it, they play with New Jersey or if they play in uh, Albany or even in their East Coast League, they just say, this guy has so much respect for the players and I love yeah. this guy. And these are mostly the players I'm talking about. Oh yeah. You know, so, so the story with Lou um, and to give you the, uh, you know, like Lou and I, this is what made it even more interesting, at least for me, but Lou too, because he's that type of, to me uh, uh, down to earth. Like I, when I played a year, I played a year for Dalhousie university. Right. So, before I went and did all that other universe before I was, it was during that year when I came out of the queue and I did a year and I was like, yeah, no, I, I can go make some money with this. I'm going to go do that. That's kind of why it went. But in that Dal year, uh, and we were really good. It was an awesome team. And we actually went down and played uh, Wisconsin Badgers when Flatley, Chelios, a whole slew of guys played on that team um, were there, but we also played Providence that year. And we actually beat Wisconsin in Wisconsin one game and played Providence Friars. And Lou was the AD of okay. Providence. So 82. And um, so when I came, you know, so we get, but he was real pro. Um, I brought a senior partner down from a major law firm that I was working for here in Atlantic Canada. And, and this guy's still got on his website, that meeting, like as something cool he's ever done. And like, this is an author, senior partner. I took him down and Lou was just, just pro man. Like, like he just, there was no way it was all like, 
big dinner first and big, you know, and there was no way you were getting in. I was like, okay, you know, so what are the numbers? What are we? No way was that going to happen in a discussion for so many hours, right? There's no way, no way, right? And then there, like, cause his view was like, don't worry, don't worry, we'll come to that. And it was just a long old drone thing. And then eventually you wind yourself back up to his, to the boardroom yeah. uh, in, uh, in Jersey. And, and, and just when you thought like, you know, I wonder if he's paying it, like, well, it's Lou, but anyways, he hits a button and a whole curtain, like from the entire boardroom, the whole outside of the curtain unravel, unravels. And Lou's, Lou's got like depth charts for like 10 years, if you like, on the board of every player at every level all over the world, right? And then it was like, oh, here the roller coaster, here, here we start, right? Because wow. that was his way of like, right on, guys. So you want to know where your guy, like, where do you think your guy fits in, right? And oh, like, man. he's, you know, so that's kind of how that went. And I did three deals with him. So um, I consider him in those deals, like, as, as like, uh, you know, you know, you can't for, ever forget those. And you're right. He, man, had genuine uh, connections to these players, like, uh, you know, personal family like yes. Lou man that's that's his thing right like and it's a good thing like he, yes. he you know and and um and yeah he had his structure um where guys came in and how they came in and did their time and, and you weren't going to budge that from you know so whether you're talking the first round second round at the time it was my highest with him was a second round guy and um I did two of them with him on that, but uh, yeah, man, I, I think is he's the guy. He's so the guy. You, you you still do coaching, you're still involved, and uh, you got a little story. I I, I think uh, you, you mentioned to us um, off air of uh, working with this 14 year old kid that I don't know. He must have had trouble skating or something. Yeah, he, yeah. He I, What's the story with that? Well, well, uh, it's funny. Um, uh, a friend of mine, uh, his name is Robbie Forbes, and a uh, teammate. Um, we grew up in Halifax, he, different parts, but, you know, tremendous athlete, great, fantastic hockey player, right? Played, we ended up being teammates on the uh, Cornerbrook Girls that won the Allen Cup in 1986. And, and the Allen Cup is the is the senior AAA level. It's, it's older than the Stanley Cup, the Allen Cup. Is, is was the first cop ever played for. Um, and uh, anyways, Robbie, it was, you know, I had come back home now and I was into the development side of it, like training and that type of side of the game before I was in agency. Agency just came because once you developed them, it was like, well, where are they going to go? So it came after that. I, I was kind of reluctantly got into the agency. It was more my thing was development like it is now. Um, so yeah, he just said, yeah, geez, you might want to check out my nephew kind of deal. Right. Like, uh, I, I didn't even know cause I was in Europe. Right. I didn't know that, you know, it's, it's, you know, Sid the kid. Yeah. Right. So, uh, yeah, I, I had an instant bond with him. I mean, you know, he's like, uh, he is what he is. Right. And, um, uh, but I, I actually designed up a, a cool drill for him like he was the only like so what at this time i'm mixing europeans that i'm representing and bringing over to all because i was bringing europeans to all the major junior teams too they're allowed to imports so sid was always in those training groups and and then you know they all loved like the europeans knew right away how good he was even at a young age these are major junior age kids so so yeah i got going and i i just just by working with him, I just knew I had created a drill. I called it the Rocket Richard, Richard drill, which was because Rocket Richard for me was like, I, you know, he wasn't in my day. He was before, but I, the Rocket, right? But the drill really, bottom line was how many, how many, 
you know, I put 10 pucks around the ice and it, it, I timed him how quick he could put those all in the net. And that's easier said than done because if you miss, you got to go get it. And you, so, but he loved it. Like Sid just loved that. And, it, and it, as a result of doing a drill like that, you had to shoot from all different areas, like corners, you, you know, or, you know, off the net, off the side. So he really enjoyed it. And, um, you know, I enjoyed designing it up for him and it was done for him but but later um he um he had expressed on uh one of the another uh uh one of the podcasts anyways he had brought up they asked him about the golden goal and they had said and he had said yeah no i one of one of my coaches he didn't mention me in name you know what i mean but he he it's it's me 100 percent. he mentioned like and one of my coaches gave me this drill that i did and uh and i was like yeah right on so kind of nice little history i got to print that up and you know one day i hope to have him you know i'll meet meet with him and get him you know he's like definitely for my guy you know loves him and is a pittsburgh fan and his favorite player and so i i thought that was pretty cool yeah, well, before we get to our last little light, what we call lightning round questions, we'll ask you some quick questions. You give us a, whatever pops to your mind, but uh, we do want to leave time for this. Tell us a little bit about Bodog Hockey. Yeah, so my guy, his name is Bowen. It's, it's B-O-W-E-N, but he, he's nine years old and he's playing um, uh, U11, which was used to be called Adam, but now they have age category names on it so u11 double a highest level you can go at the age group and he's hitting it hard he's hitting the game hard and yeah. uh, you know he loves sport he's he's got everything going like paddling uh, judo track you know you name it right hockey is his big one yeah. and, uh, and 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 the the social media you got on him with the instagram uh, i invite uh well, what's the exact title for that that people could go check it out because... uh just bow dog because that's we name that's his nickname uh, you know b-o-d-o-g hockey yeah bow dog uh, hockey. hockey i mean he's got him training like He's, he's 21, not, not, <laughs> not nine. Yeah. Well, he's, he's had fun. He's, you know, we did a couple of competitions that he won and, you know, like on there and balancing and doing all kinds of good stuff. So we're, we're ramping that up. He, he really, he really, uh, you know, wants to, uh, you know, share his passion for stuff and sport and hockey and, uh, all sports so so yeah we're we're just kind of getting her going he's i think you know 350 or some 70 followers so you know we're just starting out but there's lots of good content coming up he's just started playing this season and we're going to get some good stuff up there for him because he he's uh, have you have you anticipated um <laughs> like uh, both andrew and i are, are drummers i i teach at a university drums percussion and and you know, kind of kind of like you started him at a young age with with drums. But are you prepared to get to the point where your son might be like, "Hey, Dad, look, I, you know, I get this, and you know, it's not going to be like that." And you're going to say, "Okay, why don't you go and look up Dad online instead?" <laughs> just just like I have my YouTube videos in my playing days. <laughs> yeah. I said, "Are you going to listen to your dad or not?" Right. Right. Are you yeah. prepared for that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's already hit. So I, you know, it's kind of like. He's got to come back in an opinion on on most stuff, and uh, I'm like, "Geez, buddy, you might want to look up that Wikipedia somewhere yeah. along the way. Look up those stats in Europe." <laughs> yeah, right. So uh, now I'm down to I can only call it tips. Tips. Yeah. <laughs> you know, are you open for a tip or no? No. Okay. Uh, good. Okay. Oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah, right, so, right, right, right around, right around, Andrew. Uh, I'll start. Um, who is the toughest goalie to score against in your career? Ooh, toughest goalie. Oh, my God. I'd have to say... Oh, my God. That's it. Corrado Mikula. Okay. 
Which arena had the worst locker rooms? <laughs> Ooh, God. I, jeez, I'd have to go with Durham. <laughs> yeah, just old, right? They're just old. Old, old like uh, frozen pipes. I know it may, you'd be lucky to get a shower, boys. Um, let's, let's, let me ask you this. The worst ice conditions. Oh, probably Durham. <laughs> okay. For Durham. Yeah. Funniest or most embarrassing thing to happen to you on ice during a game or warm up? Ooh, during a game, most embarrassing during a game or warm up. Most embarrassing during a game. Uh, God, guys, that's Jesus. I should be quicker on lightning like that. Embarrassing. <laughs> well, I'm glad at least our podcast is asking questions you normally don't get. Yeah, yeah you got her, boys. I don't know, show me up on the kiss cam or something. Not like <laughs> one of those kinds of things, right? <laughs> uh, let's go. All right, we'll, we'll take a pass on that one. We'll, we'll come back. So, which player had the ability to get under your skin every time you met? Oh, Ross Lambert. Ross mm. Lambert. Who was the yeah. toughest player you had to play against? Not fighting wise, but who was just able to take up space on the ice? Didn't let you get a chance to score. Just you hated playing against him. Well, I ended up playing. I played against him and with him. Is I throw in I two guys either uh, Mike Blaisdell played in the NHL nine years or Rick Brebant. Gotcha. And what was so special about them? Was it puck possession? Was it just pure strength? Everything, guys. They had everything, and and blood curdling competitive, right? Mm. They could, they could, you know. So they had it all. They they just they were real competitors. Before Andrew does the last one, uh, did you have any pregame rituals that you did a lot of? Uh, I don't think any. You know, I had a set routine, definitely. You know, definitely. Um, but uh, you know, it was yeah. There was so there was, but and that was all part of a whole routine. I had a forty-eight hour routine and a twenty-four hour routine and a game day routine. So I mean, you know, but not not like tie the left skating and the right. Like I never had any of that kind of stuff. That none of that stuff mattered. But I did have a whole sequence of things that i did to get ready before before andrew does the last one i i you know you got such a great career we didn't have a chance to mention this but i'm going to because i'm remembering this two things great things in your career i just want to get your feedback on you had your number four retired in sheffield and i think like 2006 and the british ice hockey hall of famer in 2010 yeah. what is it like to have your jersey raised up and up up in the uh, rafters and being a hockey hall of fame uh just means everything you know guys it's uh you know um really proud of it and you know proud happy that my my family and my son knows voted he you know he got to go to sheffield and uh i you know those are big big things in my life so so it just means everything to me that is awesome so out of everything that he just said as well i know it's kind of a broad question but the first memory that comes to your mind when i say your favorite hockey memory during your playing career uh yeah it's it's yeah goodness that's tough boys that's yeah. it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, you know, I'd have to, I'd have to throw like as much as I throw the, put the British stuff in there. I mean, um, I got to put the winning the Allen Cup with Cornerbrook Royals as, as you know, an absolute highlight. Awesome. You know, so, so that one was really special. Awesome. Well, we. 
can't thank you enough for your time. We're a little over. We want to respect your time. You're certainly a busy guy, and he didn't charge us five hundred dollars an hour that's for this. True. Either, so retainer that's you, pretty good. Case, you know? so. Yeah, boys. Good question, Jared Colburn again for our listeners who uh, remembers uh, about a month ago on a podcast says you get you got to talk to Tim Cranston, and he's the guy with the stories. And you didn't disappoint. We're going to tell Darren. He didn't disappoint. Yes. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Darren was just a young lad, I guess. When you know, uh, when when we were, I was playing for the Royals and got to play against Darren. He came over to the UK, um, and he was awesome, right? And uh, he came up to me in warm up and was like, "Man, you know, when you were like, I made me feel old, but at the same time, <laughs> I was like, right on, no, cool. So you know, he's, uh, I." I my time in Cornerbrook was very, very special, guys. And, and the Allen Cup was, I mean, you know, to win the Eastern Canadian, I, I think the team had six or seven ex-NHL players that we beat and then went off and won out west. So it was the first time Newfoundland ever won the Allen Cup. So really big stuff, special stuff for great people. Awesome. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll say goodbye off air, but officially we want to thank you for coming on our podcast. Yes, thank you. Hopefully you had a good time. We did. Yes. Excellent, boys. Excellent. Anytime. Really enjoyed that. Yep. Awesome stories. Played all over the world. Hey, you don't have to play just in the NHL. They have good stories and obviously a great career. You can get paid well overseas. So if you check our followers list, which I did before the uh, we did this interview, uh, a lot of British UK fans, mm-hmm. a lot of uh, Nottingham fans, which yep. is great. And I think because we had uh, Sylvain Plouchier on, um, and well. yeah, and then Hodgman with the Steelers. So we got a lot of guys overseas now that you know. Uh, so we want to you know welcome them, and I think this episode you know will appeal definitely to. Uh, the Sheffield fans. Yes. And we hope everybody enjoyed that. And uh, for all our British listeners, we say hello, uh, hockey hello here from United States. And yep. we follow uh, the British Hockey League, the, uh, I forget what they call it now, the EIHL or whatever it's E-I-H-L. called. EIHL. Yeah. Yes. So uh, what do you think, Andrew? Wrap it up? Yes. Great stuff. And hey, don't forget, by this time especially, um, website's out, shirts are out. Continue to support the show. We appreciate everybody. Dad, do you have anything to add to that? No, uh, you know, we're on every, uh, thanks to our black and gold uh, parent company. Yes. We are on every podcast player distribution thing you can think of. Andrew started our lindrothhockeypodcast.com website. Check that out. Andrew's in charge of that. We're still messing around with some things there, but we have all of our uh, interviews and guest spots archived there. So yep. uh, come on over and check things out. All right. Have a wonderful day. Have a wonderful day.